Hi folks, Pastor Russ here. Thank you for tuning in to hear this week's message. It is our prayer and our hope that this message will be an encouragement to you. And so we just want to say blessings to you as you listen to this week's message. We're in a series that's called Living with Margin, and last week's message, the very first one, talked about the importance of time with God. And we looked at a passage there where Jesus went up on a hillside by himself, spent that time with the Heavenly Father, and we looked and said, it's important for all of us to have that sacred space in our schedules, that sacred place in which we meet with the Lord, and then at a sacred pace where we just say, God, however long you want to meet. I hope for you, since last Sunday's message, that your quality time with God uh, was more fruitful this last week. And for you, if it wasn't, I'm going to challenge you again. That's one of the most important things in this Living with Margin series is that time with God, carving that out, spending time in his presence and his word and fellowship with him. And so I want to challenge you, if last week looked no different than the week before, I just ask you to, to reconsider that and ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with that? Is there things that you want to see happen in my life? And so last week, the space, place, and pace, time with God. This week, we're going to be talking about resting, resting. And before we begin, I just, by show of hands, this is just kind of a, a survey here. How many of you are the kind of people that when you drive your car, you will let the tank go all the way down to E before you fill it up? Anybody out there like that? I'm with you in that camp, by the way, okay? How many of you are like, if that puppy hits a half, we're filling it up? Anybody out there like that? Let's pray for these individuals, right? <laughs> oh, you probably need to pray for me, the people who are on E. So we obviously, there's different personalities out there when it comes to your fuel tank. I can remember a story back when I was a kid, and uh, my mom and I were headed up to Spencer, Iowa, and um, on our way, I remember my mother saying, remind me that when we leave Spencer, we should stop and get gas. Okay, maybe that'll reveal to you the type of person that my mom is also. Okay, and um, so we went to Spencer, we did a few things, and we were on our way home on Highway 71. And uh, before I finish that story, I'm just going to pause for a second, and I'm going to finish it at the end of my message, kind of leave you hanging there. I wonder what happened to Russ and Judy on Highway 71. But there's many reasons why a vehicle can run out of gas, and there's even parallels into our own life, why you and I can run out of gas, so to speak. I just want to hit on some of these. First off is that they're not starting with a full tank. That's pretty simple, right? We're not starting with a full tank of gas. You know, and you, you can look at this and think about how you start your day or how you set up your day, and it's important for us to start our day with a full tank. That's why last week I said that time with God is so important. He's got to fill you up if you're going to go out and you're going to pour into people's lives. Another reason is that because we're too busy to pause and refuel, and if you don't have that regular period where you can refuel, you're going to run out of gas there's also that thought, I'll just push it a little bit further, you know, even though you're already late, 
and you feel like you don't have enough time. I also remember another story, just happens to be with my mom again. Brady and I rented a car, and we went out east, and it was coming back. You can see how many miles you have left on your tank. Okay, for those who have newer cars like that, you have that luxury, and uh, it's not just the dial. And I thought, well, we can probably push this all the way to this particular location. And, and then it got to a point, though, that when you're down to, like, the last gallon, it doesn't give you by miles. It just says you need to fill up. And so then at that point, you're like, well, wait a second. The game we were playing here didn't tell me that's what was going to happen near the finish line, is that we were going to have to play the guessing game. But a reason you can have hidden leaks in your life, things that are draining you. Okay, relationships can be draining, responsibilities can be draining. Having the right or the wrong relationships or responsibilities can cause leaks in your life. If you ignore the owner's manual, you're probably heading into some issues. You know, you think of scripture as an owner's manual for life. The car has a tank that the creator gave it. So there's a capacity. We all have a certain size tank, and if we ignore it, you'll ignore it to your own detriment. Okay, another one, hurry. Hurry can cause you to run out of gas. The faster you drive, the faster you will run out of gas. That's a fact. Okay, what's the speed of your life? Are you like at a race car's pace? Are you burning a lot more fuel than if you'd slowed it down a little bit? And uh, these are just good questions. Slowing the pace can create some of that margin in your life that's necessary from being burned out. Okay, being distracted and not watching your gauges. That's another one. Or even not believing them. Well, that doesn't work. Right? They've got it wrong. You know, so what are some gauges in your life where you're going too fast or you're not recharging? Some of it might be you're not getting good sleep. That can be a gauge. Another is maybe you're gaining weight. That's a gauge. You're irritable, like all the time. That's a gauge. Relationships, impatience. These are gauges that we've got to pay attention to. Maybe it's because you're being overloaded. The, the, the more something weighs, the more fuel it's going to take. So the more you carry, the sooner you're going to run out of gas. That's just a fact. And then you can lie to yourself saying, I can handle this. And then eventually it'll catch up to you. There's also a pressure to do things now. Rapid acceleration wastes fuel. And so sometimes we think from A to B, as fast as we can go, that's efficient. But the reality of it is, if that's how you do everything, pedal to the metal, doing things fast, you'll find is actually can be inefficient because maybe you're screwing things up and then that just adds to being more irritable and all of those things. Another reason, pride. Assuming that the limits of my tank don't apply to me. That's a good one. Some people think they're superman, superwoman, and ego will cause you to get an empty tank, and you'll eventually hit that empty tank, just a matter of time. And then the last one is, is there's just no margin in your life. You've not allowed for that time to truly fill up the tank. 
And so we established some of those things. It's important for us to keep our fuel tanks from going empty. Our best requires rest. To truly be at our rest, or our best, it requires rest. And it's important to stop along the way and get refueled and to get refreshed. And I believe God has a plan for keeping us refreshed. And it's something that's called the Sabbath. And the title of my message today is Remember the Sabbath. And I'm going to break this down here in this passage. Before we begin reading, though, I want to recognize a few things. The word Sabbath means cease. We stop something. And it's key to recognize that we are stopping from work. That's what Sabbath means. We stop from our work. The Jews called this Shabbat. And there were two themes that governed the Sabbath for them. And one is to remember and to observe. They were reflecting on God's literal six days of creation and then his rest on the seventh. And they also were remembering and reflecting that they came out of a situation that was a grind. They were in slavery in Egypt. And you talk about manual labor and some. These Israelites were being worked to the bone. And they came out of that slavery. And you recognize, could you reflect on that? Say, man, this is what I came from. And this is the blessing that God has given us as a nation, as a people of God. And they would observe this from sunset one night to sunset the next night. So like Friday night, get your chores done, make sure the animals have the food they need, and then you, then you Sabbath, and you go all the way until the next night, and you would rest, okay? And they would refrain, or they would cease from their work, okay? Let's look at Exodus 20. This is one of the Ten Commandments, okay? Verse 8 This is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant or female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. And I want to break this passage down a little bit, and when that word remember comes up, there's a couple thoughts on on what we're looking at here. Some some people look at that and say, going forward, right, remember this verse going forward. Remember this command going forward. Some people look at this and say, God had already established the principle of the Sabbath before the Ten Commandments. So it's like he's recalling back to it and saying, remember that, and also moving forward. So it's kind of a both type of thing. But if I said, gentlemen, remember it's Valentine's Day on Friday, it would be one thing for you to say, okay, I'll remember that. 
you thought about it or did you actually apply anything with remembering? And I think the point here is there's application with this recalling. Not just to think about it, but actually reserve this day as a day of rest. And to make it or keep it holy, holy means set apart or even elevated. Like this is a day that we're going to elevate above the other six. And there's a reason. And, and they even point back to creation. Look back in Genesis 2. And the Bible says the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy, set apart, elevated above the other six days. Because it was the day that he rested from his work. It's important to recognize that as Israel was able to come out of Egypt from where they were captive and they were slaves. God parts the Red Sea. They cross. The Egyptians chase after them. The water caves back in and they are set free. One month later, they're hungry. Anybody ever get hungry and you start to kind of get an attitude? Okay? They're people just like us. They got grumpy, and they come with a complaint. We're hungry. Okay, it doesn't really say that. That's probably a different translation. But the point of it was they needed food, and God's like, I'm going to provide this for you. And here's how he provided it to them, by quail and manna. And the manna was provided every single day by the dew on the ground. And as the day went on, it would basically dry up or, or melt into the, into the ground. And whatever you collected, it was what you needed for that day. Kind of makes the statement, give us, our, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Think about that, what that meant for the Jews, recalling back to God providing daily manna for them. If they collected more than what they needed, it would go to waste, it would begin to rot and there'd be worms and stuff in it already by the next day. So if you thought you were storing up for the next day, you thought wrong. Because you're going to have to go back out again the next day and collect your daily bread. And the scriptures say in Exodus 13, the Bible says, And so it was that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread. But I just said they could only gather for one one portion, but on the sixth day they were able to gather enough for two or double. And the Bible says that tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you'll bake today, boil what you'll boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there worms in it. Now why on the sixth day would that be the case? Any guesses out there? Okay, God ordained it, but why? Yeah, he knew they needed to eat the next day, and what was the next day? The Sabbath. It did not spoil on the sixth day, because he knew there was a day designed for them for rest, and it would not spoil and it even says, you can go out there on the seventh day to collect your, your manna, but guess what? You're not going to find it. 
And they even had people that went out looking for it on the seventh day. And the scriptures say in Exodus 13, there was none there. So it's important to recognize that this is a principle that was at play. This, this was before the Ten Commandments were given. This principle of the Sabbath was there. And I recognize that there are people that don't necessarily agree on whether or not the Sabbath is something that each of us should observe today. And I've got this little diagram, and, and I'll, I'll, yes, catch up on this verse the scriptures say, do all of your work in six days, and then it specifically says, do no work on the seventh. And then the last piece is important. This is blessed. This is a blessed and hallowed day. It's important. Again, hallowed being that holy, set apart, elevated, compared to all the other days, this one day is truly blessed. And recognizing that in this day on Mount Sinai, when this command was given, we see how there was Sabbath principles before the Ten Commandments were given, but then there's also scriptures that break some of this down after. And so if you can show that on the screen, I want to touch on a couple of these after verses. So for those that would say you're free to, to observe it or you're free to not observe it, would look at like Colossians 2 or Romans 14. So they'd say that the scriptures say in Colossians 2, let no one judge you in food or drink or in regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. And then in Romans 14 verse 5, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And so there's some that might say, look, this is a day that you can use. It's designed for rest, but I'm not obligated to observe it. Even though it's one of the Ten Commandments, I see Scripture that gives me the freedom to observe it or not. Okay, but there's also even verses that you can look at after the Ten Commandments that are interesting as well. Exodus 31 speaks about the Sabbath being something that is perpetual. And if that's a word that maybe you've never heard before, but perpetual would mean it's on and on and on and on. It just keeps going. Okay? In Exodus 31, the Bible says that the people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. Another translation, New King James Version says, a perpetual covenant. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. And then you go, so wait, that was for the people of Israel. But then you go to Romans 11, and it talks about how we're grafted in to the chosen people of Israel. And if it's perpetual, that would cause me to say, well, then this is for me too. And maybe we just went at a level where you're like, well, slow down for a second. So if you want to write those verses down and go back to this and study, I'd encourage you to do this and search through the scriptures and see how the Lord is speaking to you in regards to the Sabbath. But I think no matter where you stand on this, Jesus settles this in a statement to the Pharisees because there was the Mosaic law, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And then there was the Pharisaical law, 
which they took that, and then they added more rules and regulations on top of that to the point that it became a burden. And it's like we've got so many rules and regulations, if you break any of that, it's like, man, it's just like I can't do anything. I mean, the scriptures say don't work, but now I can't do this or that, or we've added stuff to the law. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And there came a point where Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field, and some of his disciples started plucking grains or heads of grain and the Pharisees saw this and they began to question and they were trying to draw accusation on Jesus and his ministry and in Mark 2 it says it happened that when Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and as they went his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain and the Pharisees said to him look why do you do what is unlawful on the Sabbath this accusation from the Pharisees. And then Jesus tells them plainly, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's important to just say, I'm not going to try to be legalistic about this, but recognize that God has created a day. He's created a concept of Sabbath rest. And it's not meant to burden people. It's meant to be a blessing. That's the way God designed it to be. Not a burden, but a blessing. A couple years ago, Ben Butcher and I, we were outside uh, on a youth group night, and we were talking about some things in his life, and one of the things he said he was evaluating was the need to Sabbath. And so this was a couple years ago, and and uh, from there, there was some dialogue and conversations, and I know that he and Kelly really dug in and tried to seek out the scriptures on this particular topic. And so I've asked them to come forward and testify to you how this became a blessing for them in their life. This is not a burden. It's designed to be a blessing, and I want them to share how they've seen God bless their search into the Sabbath. And I'll preface it with this. They're not perfect, and they don't want people to think that, but recognizing just in an honest, in an honest attempt at trying to do this in their life, this is how God moved. Thanks, Ben. Never thought I'd be in front of the church before. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a, a journey, and it all kind of started with, like, God planting seeds in me and during college and stuff, and, and then uh, getting... Married to Kelly, she really was faithful in, like, watering those seeds. And uh, then one day, the Holy Spirit inside me was just really, like, convicting me. And so I took the time and, like, was reading all these things in the Bible. And it's just, it's cool seeing Russ, like, spend time in a week and how God downloads this stuff to him. Because it's, like, it's been a journey that I've been on for a long time. And just seeing how God moves through him. But, um eventually just like it was just simple like this is God's word and then I'm I got to make a decision am I gonna obey it or disobey it and uh, made the decision like okay God you've made this clear to me this is a Sabbath that you want to bless me with and so I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you and uh, some of the biggest things that I saw as uh, just cool things that God, who God is, is that he wants just to have that control. He just wants us to release our control to him. And it's really simple when you just 
allow him to do his work through you. And uh, now I'm kind of getting nervous. Yeah, so by giving up that control, God can, God will show up. And for, for me personally, uh, I'm partners with Jeff Dornith and Mark Pearson in a spraying business. So I was like, okay, how is this going to look with our spraying? Where uh, years past, it's like if we need to go on a Sunday afternoon, we'll, we'll do that. So we kind of decided that we're not going to work on Sundays. And then... It's kind of cool how God can be gracious, and last year, for like the first, at least half of the Sundays of the, the spraying season, it rained. So it was like, well, that's easy, God. We don't really even have a choice today. And so it's just kind of cool. And then it's like, God can do more work in seven days than in one day than we can do in seven days. And this the, 2019 was our most, by far, productive year that we've had in all of our spraying season. And so it was just like, it was a really wet year. It was really like, we had three weeks, we couldn't do anything. And it was just like, how did he do that, really? And it was just kind of just, it, it was just humbling and cool that, like, he shows up in those things. And um, I know there's one other thing I was going to say. Um, you have anything to say while I think about it? Yeah, I can share as I imagine mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the two things that come to mind when I think about how it's been a blessing is, um, so I work during the week, and then I work every other weekend. And so I just want to point out that the workforce looks different today than it probably did back when um, Moses got the commandment and then when Jesus talked about it again. So don't get caught up on it having to be on a Sunday, because I work every other Sunday, and so for me, my Sabbath is the Friday before I go into work, and that has been um, just a reset button for me. Like, that day has been such a reset. You wake up the next morning just feeling refreshed and ready to go in. I learned that I served the women better by taking that day, even though it felt like, oh, I didn't finish everything I needed to get done this week, and it's going to be waiting for me on Monday. I'd rather just get it done now. Um, but on the days that I'm faithful and I just say, no, I'm not going to do that, I can just see how I feel better and how the women respond to me better and our relationships are just a lot better. And then as far as marrying a farmer, um, I grew up in the city, so I didn't grow up with any farming background at all. And I was really, really frustrated that I never had one day that I could count on that Ben would have available for us to hang out or do something and to build our marriage so it was a little bit selfish <laughs> when I was pestering him about the Sabbath, but it was also because I was seeing him being worn down and not, um, not finding the joy in farming like I know he had before. And I know that God has called him to be a farmer, and I wanted to see that be a sustainable career for him. And so once he started implementing the Sabbath, it was just a like a reset and a refresh for our marriage too because I knew that I could count on this one day every week where he wasn't going to be out doing something that I didn't know about um, that came up, you know, in the spring side of things or farming or things like that. So for me, it's, it's a blessing just in my personal life, my personal mental, spiritual well-being, and then also for our marriage. And I know for me, I can be like the Pharisees and get super technical and like 
in Exodus 34:21 says, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. So then I think, well, it doesn't say spraying season. It doesn't say planting season. It doesn't say calving season. So it's like it's so easy to like get nitpicky. And like just like the Pharisees, they added all these more rules that you couldn't do. And so like the, the Pharisees and like Satan wants to make it a curse. Like it wants to make it more of a burden than a blessing. And I think that's just the main thing that I've realized that it's just like, it's your heart behind what you're doing. Because God just, he doesn't have this list of things that you should do on the Sabbath. He just has this, don't work. And it's just that, that day of rest, that day that's supposed to be that blessing. And so it's just that heart behind it, making that decision that, God, I want to obey you. I want to glorify you. And I want to do the things that you have laid out for me to do. So that's pretty much simple. <laughs> I appreciate that, the recognition that it's a blessing. Several years ago, there was a bunch of hail that came and just ripped up my house. And I remember as I was trying to work through it and some people had pitched in to help me reside the house, um, I had some scaffolding that the Bible camp helped me with and, and it was all up on one side of my house is a couple stories high. And, and there was one day, I, I know winter's coming, I'm like in November or late October. I'm like, I need to get this done. And there was one Sunday afternoon, it was church was over, but youth group hadn't quite started yet. And I was sitting there thinking, it's nice outside, work needs to be done. And I've got a couple more weeks on this siding project with just doing it on the side of what you do for a living. And you know, how many of you have those do-it-yourself projects that once you get into it, you're like, oh, I got way in over my head, okay? So I just remember the pressure of that, and I had to laugh because I lived in a community up in Wilmer, Minnesota, that there was one small rural community outside of that, that if somebody mowed their, their yard on a Sunday, the neighbors would mow it for them on a Saturday, kind of as like a hint. We don't do that on Sunday. And I just, the thought crossed my mind, though. If I go up on that scaffolding and people in the neighborhood start hearing while they're, you know, resting or doing whatever, they're probably thinking, oh, it's that pastor out there, you know, working on his house on, on Sunday. But I, the conflictedness in my spirit was this project needs to get done, and it's nice, and I should get out there and do it with this piece of time that I have. And I chose to wait, and the next morning when I went up to start working on things, um, it was early morning, I was off of work that day, and I'm like, I got to just work on this as best I can. I get a phone call from my father-in-law. Now, think of this. Prior to this, I'm measuring, crawling down two stories of scaffolding, cutting my piece, climbing back up the scaffolding, putting it in place, and then hopefully it fits. And then you measure for the next one. You climb back down, go cut it. I mean, this was my process. He calls me and goes, Russ, I'm available today if you'd like me to, to cut. Yes, come over. That would be fantastic. <laughs> And so Brian comes over, and we finished the one side, but I had the other side I still needed to do. 
So we tore down the scaffolding, set the scaffolding back up on the other side, and we began to work at it that way. And now we're getting into about the afternoon here, and I get a phone call from my brother-in-law, Jim, who happens to work in construction. And he goes, Russ, they let me off early today. I know you're trying to finish your house. Would you like me to stop in and help? Yes, get here when you can. That'd be fantastic. So keep in mind, I thought I had two weeks of this project left. By the end of Monday... Is totally done. And the scaffolding was on a truck headed back to the Bible camp. And for me, I'm like, look at how God blesses in those moments maybe when we feel conflicted in spirit. This is something that needs to get done. But if we just say, God, I want to honor this, he does. And the scriptures say he blesses this. So some questions might be, what do I do then on the Sabbath? How does that work itself out practically? You rest your body, maybe you recharge your emotions, you refocus your spirit, you spend time with the Lord. That's an important piece. I don't want to miss that in this conversation about having the Sabbath and resting. Maybe there's a quietness where you're outdoors or you're, you're spending time in those relationships that truly matter. Maybe you're spending a little time privately in worship or corporately in worship. Maybe if you're somebody on a consistent basis where you're shooting emails all the time and thinking through things and strategizing and working a lot with your mind, maybe your Sabbath is like, I'm going to work with my hands today because I don't ever really get to do that and this is just a way to relax. Or maybe if you're somebody who's always working with your hands, maybe it's a day where you sit down and you get to read something or... or uh, I'm going to say shoot emails, but that doesn't probably sound like something fun for people who are working with your hands. But it's okay to shake things up and recognize things that you find that help you to relax. But the more important question is not necessarily what do I do on my Sabbath. It's what do I not do. Sabbath means to cease. So we say I'm not going to work on the Sabbath. So if I'd say anything that you do vocationally that's probably the day you'd rest from that vocational labor. Including being a pastor? Including being a pastor? Charles, my Sabbath is on Monday. Okay? That answers that question? Well, is that my vocation? That's a good question, Charles. He's saying I sighted my house on Monday. Is that my vocation? No. Okay? Sabbathing from your vocation. It's a healthy thing. And there's a balance, though, of whether I'm going to rest or do something I enjoy to do. I enjoyed the sighting, but it's just the fact that it needed to get done, and I had a time crunch to that. But I also don't want to sit here and just make excuses for that, because I'm not going to stand up in here and say I'm perfect, but Ben and Kelly, you know, they said they're not, you know. We all have something in this to glean, and myself included. And if there's been anything in preparing this message... I'm like, oh man, I should probably be doing a better job with this. So I want to end with just a, a little snippet from Max Lucado. He says, sheep can't sleep. Perhaps the reason we count sheep to help us sleep is because they are awake. Sheep struggle to calm down. It's understandable. They're defenseless. They have no sharp teeth or claws they run slow, and when they fall over, they struggle to stand up. They cannot protect themselves. Consequently, they are hesitant 
to relax. No predators, no, or for sheep to sleep, everything must be just right. No predators, no tension in the flock, no bugs in the air, no hunger in the belly. Everything has to be just so. Unfortunately, the sheep cannot find safe pasture, nor can they spray insecticide, deal with the frictions, or find food. They need help. They need a shepherd to help them lie down in green pastures. Without a shepherd, they can't rest. Without a shepherd, neither can we. We work hard. There's money to be made. There are degrees to be earned. There are ladders to be climbed. Busyness is next to godliness. We idolize Thomas Edison who claimed he could exist on 15-minute naps. Somehow we forget to mention that Albert Einstein averaged 11 hours of sleep every night. In 1910, Americans slept nine hours every night. Today we sleep seven and we're proud of that number. And we're tired because of it. Our minds are tired. Our bodies are tired. But much more importantly, our souls are tired. We're eternal creatures and we ask ourselves eternal questions. Like, where did I come from? And where am I going? And what is right? And what is wrong? And when I've done wrong, how can I be made right? And do I have a maker? And does my maker care about me? These are questions of the soul. And these are the kind of questions which, left unanswered, will steal your sleep. Yet we are so busy making a living that we have no time to ponder the meaning of life. And our good shepherd has a better idea. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. The one who leads us has a plan to restore us, and that plan includes ordained moments of rest. That plan includes a Sabbath day, and it's time to rest. A century ago, Charles Spurgeon gave this advice to his preaching students. Even beasts of burden must be turned out to the grass occasionally. The very sea pauses at ebb and flood. Earth keeps the Sabbath of the wintry months, and man, even when exalted to God's ambassador, must rest or faint, must trim his lamp or let it burn low, must recruit his vigor or grow prematurely old. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. The bow cannot always be bent without fear of breaking. For a field to bear fruit, it must lie fallow. And for you to be healthy, you must rest. Slow down and God will heal you. He will bring rest to your mind, to your body, and most of all, to your soul. He will lead you to green pastures. And I love how the scriptures in Hebrews 4 point us to what true rest looks like. And it's found in Jesus Christ. That's where our rest is found. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And he says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And maybe today as you sit here and there's all different walks of life listening to this message,
but perhaps you feel exhausted or maybe on the, the brink of burnout or you're just in this constant state of irritability and you're at the end of your rope. And I want to invite you to enter God's design for rest. For some, that might mean beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you've been going at the pace of the world for a long time, but you know you need to stop, and you need that peace that only he can give. And for others in this room, maybe it's recognizing, I need to creatively somehow start to carve that Sabbath rest into my crazy schedule. And that's the challenge. That's where I'm leading us for a response today is to enter into his rest. Will you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Father, I thank you so much that in your design, you've created us to rest in your care. Sheep that have a shepherd can truly find rest as you make us to lie down in green pastures. You restore our soul. Perhaps there's someone listening today that you want that relationship with Christ and you know the peace he can bring into your life. And if the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart, I want to encourage you to respond. And just pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. Recognizing that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, I confess my sin to you and I ask that you'd forgive me. And help me to change and become a new person and walk in a new direction. Thank you for this gift of salvation. I receive it today by faith. And Lord, for all of us listening, in the midst of a culture that is so fast-paced, help us to find that time to rest, to spend that time with you, and Lord, to recognize our needs in the midst of the crazy, that you are someone who brings a calm. And we thank you for this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In closing today, just a couple of things at the welcome desk. I'm headed there. If you're new with us today, bring that connection card back there. Uh, love to meet you. Love to get acquainted. If you're somebody who prayed that prayer of salvation with me at the close of the message, we also have a resource for you called Now What? Helping you take the next steps in your faith journey. Please come see me at the welcome desk. If you'd like further prayer, the prayer team will be up here at front following the service. As folks are making their way out, just make your way forward and we'll continue to pray with you. And at the welcome desk, there are several sign-up sheets. New members classes begin in March. You're welcome to sign up for that. The overflow seating assignments, we're going to start that in March. If you're interested in about once a week doing that, feel free to do so. And then also, if there's anybody interested in maybe helping with a grandparent seminar, there's a clipboard in the back at the welcome desk. And Ben, you've got a question or a statement.
What happened on Highway 71? We ran out of gas. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's where I want to go with that. I was driving. I had my permit, and I look over at my mom. And I said, something's wrong with the car. And she goes, we forgot to get gas. And I'm like, well, what do we do? You know, like we're just coasting down 71. And my mom goes, there's a gas station right up here. We were coming up on Highway 3. So there's that Sinclair or Dino right there. And she said, don't touch the brakes. Let's just see what happens. Okay? (laughs) We coasted all the way to the pump. And, and here's what's awesome about it. When we were done and we were filling that thing up with gas, we just laughed and laughed. There was an anxiousness and a burden that set in when we knew we were out of gas. But there was such a relief when we were at that pump and we were being filled up. And let that be an encouragement to you, just recognizing the need to stop and fuel up. Amen? Thanks for watching this week's message. It is our heart to follow up with people if they've responded to something that God did in that message. One thing we want to note is if you just gave your life to Christ and you prayed that prayer at the end to receive Him into your life, we want to send you this free resource called Now What? And this is a journal that comes with a Bible, and it's designed to help you grow and take the next steps in your faith journey. If you're interested in receiving this free resource, we encourage you to simply reach out and connect with us here at the bottom of the screen. You'll see you can email us or you can send us a text message. Simply text BELIEVE to the number that you see here on the screen. We want to get this into your hands so that you can grow in your faith. And it's our heart here at Faith Community Church to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Thanks for watching.